Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. So you greet them with a smile. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, I want to thank the Lord for the opportunity to share God's word with you this morning. And um, we appreciate our senior pastor. Amen. Let's give him a hand. Praise God. Hallelujah. And um, we will be having a, a session to look at the subject of finances in ministry. And um, we're going to have three sessions in the meeting this morning. We're going to have... Um, the first one hour session and then the second one hour and then we take a bit of a break and then we come back for the third session and we're going to wrap up by one o'clock. <clears throat> I'm going to be doing two sessions on the subject of finances in ministry and um, the first one I'll do a general overview on ministry and finances and then the second session I'm going to be looking at some very practical tips for our personal finances and the finances of the church um, using the wisdom of God and the wisdom of scriptures so we're going to kick off by saying is money important in ministry is money important in ministry the answer is yes, money is important in ministry. Money is important in ministry, but money is not the most important thing. All right? Money is important in ministry, but money is not the most important thing. And the reason I made that statement is because we can get into two extremes. We can get into two extremes. And what are those extremes? We can get into the extreme of saying, no, money is not important, right? And we, it's almost like self-deceive ourselves. Or we can get into the second extreme of what? Money is everything in ministry. Do you understand that? Come on, talk to me. Do you understand that? All right, so is money important in ministry? The answer is yes. Is it the most important thing in ministry? The answer is what? Is no. So that we get the balance that money is important, but is not the most important thing. If money was not important, Jesus will not have a treasurer. All right? So we realize that in the 12 apostles that Jesus had, it is only the office of a treasurer that was highlighted. There was no follow-up officer. There was no officer of uh, new converts. There was no teaching. The office of a treasurer was highlighted. Since Judas kept the money bag. So the ministry of Jesus um, had a money bag. <laughs> okay? So we don't get into the extreme that, listen, it's not about money. Of course. Because there are things you'll be required to pay money for. Okay, so we create that balance that money is important, but money is not what? The most important thing. The scripture says, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. So don't get into the narrative of saying it's not about money. No, you know. So it's very important for us to understand that. Now, it is having understood that balance for us to all agree that... Uh, money is a, a, is a good requirement in ministry, what is the position of the minister towards money? Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. Do you have the amplified version? Do you have the amplified version? 
First Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. So please, um, dad really wants us to get this. That's why I'm going very slow so we don't miss anything. So it's important that you pay attention and you follow as we teach. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, Tend, nurture, guide, guide, and fold the flock of God. That is your responsibility. So it teaches us the responsibility of the pastor. Not by coercion or constraints, but willingly. You see, the work of the ministry must be done willingly. And there's a reason for that. You see, because in the ministry, sometimes you're going to go through very tough times that if it is not willing, it's almost like you will blame the people who put you in ministry. Now, he goes on to say, not dishonorably motivated by the advantages and profits belonging to the office. So even though we know that people have a responsibility to minister to us, we do not do ministry because of that. We are not motivated by the advantages and profits that belong to the office. A minister must never in any guise do ministry because of what he will get. The first disappointment people get is when they have a high expectation of the financial returns or the seed people are going to sow or the blessing people are going to give to them. And if you get into ministry from the onset with that um, perspective, you will not do the work of the ministry with a pure heart. The first thing in getting into ministry is knowing that sometimes even the ministry will make you poorer because of the choices you are making. And so, is there the blessing of the Lord? We're going to get into that. But we must have the foundations properly laid that ministry is not a place to get rich. If you want to get rich, start a business. Ministry is not a place to get wealthy. You know, um, a, a pastor friend of mine was sharing with me yesterday, and uh, he's got a church. He's also a lecturer in a school. He said, a friend of his was telling him, he says, you see, you know, you can have a lot of money. And he says, why do you say so? He says, because you have multiple streams of income. He says, you know, you are a lecturer, you have a church. You know, my friend has said, no, no, no. You don't put church <laughs> as one of the streams of income. You know, but that's the narrative out there. You know, that church is about money. Church is about business. But that's not true. The Bible says we cannot do ministry for what? To be motivated by the advantages and the profits. Now, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3. 1 Timothy 3, 3. He was talking about the, the characteristics of a bishop. He says a bishop must not be given to wine, not combative, but gentle and considerate, not quarrelsome, but forbearing and peaceful, and not a lover of money. Not a lover of money. And he says, insatiable for wealth and ready to obtain it by questionable means. A minister of the gospel must not be a lover of money. He must not be, be, be so caught up with getting money that he doesn't mind how he gets it. And we're not just talking about illegal businesses now. We're talking about even from the church. How do you get the finances from the people you minister to? You hear sometimes people say, God told me there's such a number of people to give this amount of money, and God never told them. That's, that's, that's getting wealth by questionable means. A minister of the gospel, even if he's working outside of ministry to obtain money, must be doing legal businesses. 
You cannot be defrauding people, you know, and be preaching at the same time. It's not consistent. But let's look at the way we obtain money in church today by the sales of various commodities. You, you get uh, an anointing oil, for instance, for those who use anointing oil, you get anointing oil from the market for 100 naira. You pray over it and you start selling it uh, 3,000. You even go to some churches, they label the oil. All right? They label, if you want pregnancy oil, it's two, five children. You want uh, for house <laughs> landlord not to be collecting rent from you, it's, it's 4,005. You want the one that will make you win contracts. That's, that's getting money by questionable means. One of the things that Jesus did was to drive out people who were making merchandise in the, t in the church. I, I absolutely think apart from books and resource materials, nothing else should be sold in church. Nothing else. Don't sell anointed anything. Whether it's handkerchief, whether it's oil, whether it's sticker, whether it's anointed sticker and all that. And even if you have something to, 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 to produce in the church, why don't keep it at a very moderate fee? You see, the gospel that cannot benefit a poor man is not the gospel of Christ. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So you have all those expensive things being sold that when somebody comes in and doesn't have anything, he cannot buy it. So, so we're very clear that God wants, give me the scripture, God wants us not to have an insatiable desire for wealth, for money. All right? He doesn't want us, give me First Timothy 33, guys. He doesn't want us to have that insatiable desire because what that does is that it leads you to covetousness. You will never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied. Or the, one of the first things to have financial peace in ministry is to cut your desire for insatiable wealth. You're not to compete to be the richest man in the church. That's not, your, that's not your goal. Your goal is not to be the wealthiest man in the community. You are a minister of the gospel. Your goal is the salvation of souls. That's very important. You cannot keep your, your desire for wealth and desire for ministry at the same level. It will give you peace of mind. It will give you contentment. It will give you uh, the ability to wait on God as he blesses you. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17. Like I said, in the second session, we're going to now have more practical look at how we can manage our money, how we can go about. But I'll just say this here in case I forget. You must understand how money works as a minister of the gospel. You must understand it. Because the money in ministry comes in cycles. And you must understand that cycle and be able to manage your finances properly. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17. For we are not like so many and look at what it says, so many, so many. So these are not few. You know, we, we, we actually think we have a lot of people who are doing ministry because of money today. But it started way back in Apostle Paul's days. People have always used ministry as a means of gain. Because religion sometimes makes people very gullible. Are you following what I'm saying? And so if you don't check your own motives, it's easy to slide into that. For we are not like so many, like hawksters, making a trade-off, peddling God's word. Now, I like the word peddling, the way the Amplified Version brings it out. Number one, it says, short-changing and adulterating the divine message. So that people will give, we adulterate the divine message. We just change it. We don't, we don't preach it fully. We, we preach the part that can extract things from people. There's a place of giving, and I'm going to speak about that. There is a place of giving. But I'm going to share that with you. You see, 
the way people give to God and to church really has nothing to do with you. It is really about them and God. It's about them and God. You can't even go to the pulpit and say, I want to teach this message so my people can give. Your motive was already wrong. Are you following what I'm saying? You just teach them the divine message. You teach them the scriptures. One of the reasons we struggle for finances a lot, and I'm going to speak about that, is that we don't believe that God can stir people's heart to give. Even pastors don't believe it. And our faith, you see, if you do not build your faith to make God your source and your faith is constantly on the offerings, you would limit what you will achieve in ministry. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, until you build your faith, and that's where we're going to talk about personal finances. I just want to lay the foundation for ministry. We're going to talk about personal finances. You must learn to believe God for finances. You must learn. You see, one thing, and I'll just say this, I'm just going to be talking some things that come to my mind. I'll just drop them in case I forget them so you get a hold of them. One thing you must realize in life is this. Listen very carefully if you're a minister of the gospel. The people that will fund the major things you will do in ministry will not be very much. We always have this perspective that everybody in the church would give at the same level. No. So I'll give you an example in my own life. I'm on two radio stations the people and in, the, the person who even pays for the most expensive radio that we're in is not in our church he's not in our local church he's in another church but he likes the message and so he pays for it not a member of my church as it were then the guy who pays for the second radio station comes to our church he had me preach one message one day in Wednesday Bible study he says I want people in my states to hear this and he paid for it the two guys who pay for our television were on television every single day in the morning. And that's huge to be on TV daily. The two guys who pay in our local church. Now, what I'm trying to say is that the outreaches, the radio outreaches and the television outreaches are paid for by how many people? Four. And our church is about 160 or 170. Uh, do, do you understand what I'm saying? You must remove your eyes from the congregation. Put your eyes on the word. And God will supernaturally stare the people with the resource. And when they would do it, they will not do it as if they are helping you. You know, there's a giving of, ah, well, it's a man of God, the way he is now. Okay, you must gather something. Let's gather. You know, it's, it's almost like, let's help him. And there's a constant reminder. That thing we said we will do, we have not done it. Oh, how? Oh, yeah, okay. You know, at that level, you will never do ministry. At that level, you are at the mercy of the congregation. But you see, you are sent by God. And this is not to say you come to the congregation and you are boastful because we can, we can get into that. You come to the congregation and say, I don't need any of you. God is my source. Be careful what you say. Because supernatural supply is a combination of human beings. God is not going to rain money down from heaven. Alright? He's still going to use the people you are ministering to. So you don't appear proud. Say, I don't need any of you. God is my source. <laughs> you realize that God will need them to pass the money across to you because all the resources you need for ministry are already on the earth nothing is coming from heaven all the money that you require for your assignment is on the earth already are you understanding what i'm saying so we're looking at how does this get to us or how do we manage it okay it says we do not change and adulterate the divine message but like men of sincerity and the purest motive as commissioned and sent by God. Note those two words, very important words. Commissioned and what? Sent. You see, these are the two key words that releases divine provisions in ministry. Are you sent? You, you, must, you must answer that question. Are you sent? It's not that your church loved you and made you a pastor. Your church cannot make you a pastor. Your church can only recognize 
the calling of God in your life. Are you following what I'm saying? Your pastor cannot love you enough and make you a pastor. He says, we have been commissioned and sent by God. We speak his message in Christ the Messiah in the very sight and presence of God. So we do not adulterate the word. We do not look at scriptures and use it to taunt people. For example, very typical example, you do not tell people when Isaac took his sacrifice and went up to the mountain and laid it down, God appeared to him as Jehovah Jireh. That is short-changing the divine message. Yeah. That has nothing to do with giving to God. Are we right? That has everything to do with the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. Are there scriptures that teach on supernatural, uh, on, on, um, on sacrificial giving? Yes, but not that one. If you now use that to teach people on giving, you are sort of changing the divine message. You are adulterating it. You are mixing it to appeal to people's emotions. Because the, why I said you are changing is that you then, the balance is not there. Because when they brought Isaac, did God take Isaac? What happened? What happened? God gave Isaac back. So if I want to teach that message completely, and I ask you for your Isaac offering or Isaac sacrifice, and you bring it to the altar, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to say, well, I've known your heart and I've seen your heart that you really want to give. Take your money back. But do we do that? No, we don't. So we should change the divine message. So we should change the divine message. Now, when you have trained people by lies, when they find the truth, it will be very bad for you. Are there scriptures that teach on sacrificial giving? Multiple scriptures. Multiple. The widow who gave all her livelihood. But is there anything called Isaac's sacrifice type of offering? No, sir. Isaac's sacrifice was the dead, burial, and resurrection of Jesus on our behalf. So we do not shortchange the divine message. Are you following what I'm saying? So it is very important that, listen, wanted, uh, let me just read this. Give me 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Let me just read this. It's, it's going to be the foundation of everything I'll say. So I think I want us to read it. Please, everybody, look up. I want you to read it from the Amplified. You will not understand it from any other translation except the Amplified. We want to tell you further, brethren, about the grace, the favor, and spiritual blessing of God which have been evident in the churches of Macedonia. How many of you know the Macedonian church was poor? Was poor. Now look at what the grace did. Look at what the grace did. What did the grace do? Arousing in them the desire to give. This is what happens. You don't, you see, don't try to make people give. Allow the grace in your assignment to arouse in them the desire to give. The problem is we try to do what grace is supposed to do. I, I, are you following what I'm saying? Come on, church. Are we together? We try to. You understand? We try to. The day you discover a wealthy person is in the house, you will, you, will, you will preach with fire. You will preach sweating. Because you want air condition. Where they give you handkerchief, say, no, don't bother. Don't bother. You just want. You are, by all means, you're trying to do what grace should do. The grace arouses in a man a desire to give. Senior pastor was sharing a testimony with me a uh, couple of days back. A brother called him and says, I want you to, to go to a particular filling station and fill up your tank twice every month. That's what grace does. Are, are you following what I'm saying? That's what grace does. Grace arouses a desire in people to give. Don't try to take the place of grace in people's life. If people are not releasing to the church, check yourself, not them. Why I'm saying that is this. Verse 2, go to verse 2. For in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty together 
have overflowed in wealth of lavish generosity on their part. You know, this scripture doesn't make sense. How can somebody be going through severe trial? How can somebody's poverty be deep? They are not just poor, they are deep, they are in deep poverty. And then these guys overflow with generosity. Only grace can do that. Look at verse 3. I can bear witness they gave according to their ability yes and beyond their ability look at this next phrase and they did it voluntarily what's causing all of this to happen grace we must learn to rely on grace we must learn you see as ministers of the gospel we have not relied on grace enough even when you talk to some pastors, they already tell you, you see, we don't even have people who can give in this church. That is our problem. Meaning that they have already concluded in their mind that money is not coming from anywhere. And look, Mark eleven twenty three, you'll have what you say. Do you know that this church, for instance, you don't need to get all your income from those you, you, you reach out to? I mean, within the context of the local church. Pastor, Pastor Glenn was sharing with me um, yesterday. Um, he had a meeting and he invited a lady to come in for the meeting. Somebody else invited the lady to come in for the meeting. And they finished teaching. The, the meeting was over. And three days later, the lady bought this standing air conditioner. Two of them put them in a hillocks and drove them to the church. And the lady said, Don't tell anybody my name. That's grace. He was talking about the keyboard they have now. He says a lecturer who is a lecturer and also a keyboardist came to the church, worship, heard the word. I mean, the place we preached yesterday, we were not up to 30 people. Right? And then the guy said, no, I'd like to buy a keyboard for this church. And bought a solid keyboard for them. The, the, the guy himself attends winners. I, I, I don't, do you understand what I'm saying? So you don't need to limit whatever you get as a local church from the members of your local church trust God that your ministry will impact people and there will be a corresponding release not to talk of today that our messages are all over the internet if we limit our source to those we see every day we limit our financial flow look at verse 4 look at verse 4 begging us most insistently for the favor and the fellowship of contribution in the ministration for the relief and support of the saints in Jerusalem. How were they giving to Paul? They were begging Paul to give. Can we be part of this? But what's the other way around today? We are the one who do the begging. When you replace grace in ministry, you are the one who is going to be doing the begging. So, so that your life can become better. So, so you can go up. You're doing a building project and you tell people as they give, as the building is going up, their life will be going up. What about the day you finish the building? What nonsense is that? Don't try to promise people extra blessings that God haven't told you. God has just spoken to me. Anybody who, who gives into this offering is going to receive a special anointing. There's no special anointing. See, we have made giving a special thing. That's why people don't give. Every believer is supposed to have a culture and a lifestyle of giving. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a special thing. It's not something to tap something or something to connect something. No, a genuine child of God who understands the truths of God's word should make giving a lifestyle without additional promises. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, let me explain this to you. We are in this local church, for instance. We need more speakers. We need, we need to paint the outside. We need, you don't need God to, you don't even need God to tell you, you know, you know, those who paint the outside, their life will be beautiful. It just means you're wicked. What that means is that you cannot do something except you get something back. And stop teaching your people that way. Don't teach them that way. Don't teach them we are receiving. There's an anointing to receive this offering. No, just tell them, listen, we need to buy paint. We need to make the place look fine for every one of us. 
give as the Lord has enabled. There's no special anointing to it. There's, it will not release an open heaven. The heavens were not closed. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has opened the heavens over us. Now, is there a benefit for giving? Absolutely. Because Christ, the word of God tells us um, very clearly that God will multiply the seed soon. Are you following what I'm saying? But he gives bread to the eater and what? Seed to what? To the sower. But I want us to be clear about this. It was the saints begging. Paul, we want to give. You must allow grace to arouse the heart of people to give. If grace does it, it will go much more. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. It will go much more. I remember um, a church in, in um, Akinima, um, Sir Mitchell Church. I remember one of the guys who joined, and uh, after for a while, he just said, oh, I'd like to buy this for the church, and, and got them a bit of sound system. That's grace. And somebody said, well, pastor, those testimonies you are sharing, my people are wicked. Nobody has ever told me he wants to buy anything. Do you have more faith in the wickedness of your people or more faith in the word of God? If you have faith in the wickedness of your people, then you don't have any right to expect. But if you have faith in the word of God and you keep teaching the word of God, the word of God will do that. The day God granted me, I was listening to a pastor mention this, but then the spirit of revelation came and I saw that, I began to say, listen, it is the grace of God that we arouse in people. Give me verse 1 again. The desire to give. The grace. The grace. We want to tell you about the grace that was arousing in them the desire to give arms. And that is what ministers of the gospel we need to rely on. This grace that aroused people to give. Don't give fake promises. Paul did not promise them anything. He just gave them the gospel. And what happened? There was a desire. These guys were poor. So don't think only wealthy people can give. In fact, if you have done ministry for a long time, you realize that most wealthy people do not give. If you have done ministry for a long time, even the ones you think have money to give, they will, if, you have, if you have been a pastor for a long time, you realize that even the poor are more generous. Their money is not high, but they are consistent. The rich has their money tied somewhere, everywhere, everywhere. But we must rely on grace. Amen. Come on, somebody say grace. That's a very important word. We must rely on grace. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, verse 19. Philippians 3, 19. We're going to financing in ministry. Please don't forget our opening statement. Money is good, but money is not the most important thing in ministry. God, you can achieve many things in ministry without money. Are you following what I'm saying? A property can be given to you without paying. Jesus Christ told about the cult. He rode into Jerusalem. He says, go and say the master have need of it. Are you following what I'm saying? So there are many things you can access in ministry without exchanging money. So if you put your faith in just money, you limit even the resources that God wants to give to you. If you need a building, ask God for a building. Lord, we need a place of worship. You'll be amazed at what God can do. There are many uninhabited buildings that the people have gone overseas that they might never return. They have told them they are not coming to Nigeria again and they don't want to put rent that probably have been built for the sake of the gospel. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? So you must, you must trust God. You cannot walk in financial abundance in the gospel without faith you see everything God has called you to do in this life will require huge amounts of money a property will require huge amounts of money I mean I, I, was, I was thinking of I don't want to mention because we we're on live stream but I, I, I told that the figure that both of us spent on air ticket last year this last year into this year was huge it was huge it has to be faith. 
It has to be faith. And I'm going to talk about that because we also have a very strong proponent that every pastor should walk. We're going to talk about that. Is it a biblical criteria? Is that what God wants us to do? Because the truth of the matter is that you can never work enough to fund your assignment. There's got to be a degree of grace functioning in the assignment that God has given to you. Are you following what I'm saying? You, that word grace, don't just look at it as forgiveness of sin. Look at it like daddy taught us as what? Divine enablement. That divinely enables people to resource the assignment. And it doesn't matter if your people are 12 or they are 12 million. Grace knows how to connect you to the resource. Hallelujah. I said grace knows how to do what? Connect you to the resource. This is talking about those people again. They are doomed and their faith is eternal misery, perdition. Their God is their stomach, their appetite, their sensuality, and they glory in their shame, siding with earthly things and being of their party. A minister of the gospel must not make his stomach his God. Are you following what I'm saying? You can't make your stomach your God. Keep your life simple. I'm going to talk about that in the second session when I talk about managing your own personal finance. Are you following what I'm saying? Keep your life simple. You are not in competition on who is going to use the most expensive wristwatch. Don't mind earthly things. If the Lord brings it to you, fine. But that's not your sole aim in life. You should have one desire as a minister of the gospel. What's that desire? That more people will hear the message. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now let's go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And let's start reading from verse 1. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. This is very important. Let me ask you this simple question. It will cure a lot of things. Do you think you can send your child on assignment and withhold money from him. Okay, let's say you want to send your child to Saple to, to, to buy. What do they sell in Saple again? Palm wine. I heard Saple palm wine is very good. Okay, let's say something more righteous. <laughs> what? Timber. <laughs> okay. Our woodman have told us what we can buy in supply. So let's use something about righteous. So you send your child, right? The pastor has a son. So he tells your son, go to supply, go and buy two logs of timber for me. We want to make furniture. And then the child starts going. No transport, nothing. Would you do that? Talk to me, everyone. Would you do that? And, and, and... <laughs> So why do you think God will send you without provisions? You see, thinking that you will not have provisions in ministry is actually accusing God of child abuse. You, no, 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 no. You have to sit down and meditate on that statement and think over it. If you, then be, if you who is evil know how to good give good gift to your children, how much more? He was talking about the Holy Spirit. But listen to me. Between the money for your assignment and the Holy Spirit, which is more important? So if God has given you the Holy Spirit willingly, freely, voluntarily, in abundance, do you think he would withhold the, whole, the money from you? Come on, come on, come on. We need to agree. These are the foundation. Is it because your thought of money not being available is questioning the goodness of God. And you have to sit down in scriptures and meditate over this. You, you have to sit down and renew your mind. I don't, I don't know if you understand. You have to change the wiring of your mind regarding divine provisions and sustenance. If God, if you will not send your child without resource, how will God send you without resource? So we will realize that 
our inability to access resource is not God's fault. That's why we're doing this script. That's why we're doing this study now. We're looking at areas. Then Jesus called together the 12 apostles and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure all diseases. Now, please follow me. This is very important. He gave them something. Right? He gave them something. Verse 2. And he sent them out to announce and preach the kingdom of God and to bring healing. So he gave them something and gave them a message. Verse 3. And he said to them, do not take anything for your journey, neither walking stick, nor wallet, for a collection bag, nor food of any kind, nor money, and you should not have two garments. Fantastic. Fantastic. He says, don't take money. Don't take this. Don't take that. But he gave them something and a message before he told them, don't take what did he give them? Power and a message. The two things that God will give to you to bring resources to your ministry is the message and the anointing. And listen to me, if you are a minister of the gospel, put your emphasis on the message and the anointing. Are you following what I'm saying? Put your emphasis on what? the message and the anointing it will release to your assignment an unending source of supply what we are talking about in this first session we're not talking about your personal finance first we're dealing with what the finance for your assignment i'll give you a typical example uh let me phrase this example so you you, you don't get exactly what i'm saying but you will understand it but let me use another okay so there was a minister i know and uh when he wanted to start the church, they were looking for a place to use. So a lady, a lady, that's the minister's wife, met a lady and just was discussing and said, oh, my husband is looking for a place to use. And he said, ah, okay. Uh, I know a friend of mine whose husband has an abandoned upstairs. Nobody's using it. You people can go and use the place if you clear it. But he just said, but this lady has a bit of, you know, a bit of mental issues as it were. And, and the woman I said, ah, my husband can pray for, for her, she'll be okay. <laughs> and so they brought the woman, and this pastor prayed, and God healed the woman. And the woman just said, oh, I'm going to tell my husband, you both can take the place for free. And they used that place for close to eight, nine years without payment. Power, and don't take money. Power, don't take money. Cure sicknesses, don't take money. What you should invest your time in is trusting God that when the sick come to your meeting, they should receive healing. That's your focus. That's your focus. That's why the apostle says we will give ourselves to prayer and to the word. The focus of the minister must be given to timeless periods of prayer and the word. That's your focus. He says, Don't take any wallets. Because I'm sending you on a mission. Verse 4. And whatever house you enter, stay there until you go away from that place. Verse 5. And wherever they do not accept you and welcome you, when you leave that town, shake off what? The feet of your, your, your feet as a testimony against them. Alright. Verse 5. So they departed. They went from village to village. What's the first thing they did? Come on. What's the first thing they did? Preaching the gospel. And, come on, come on, come on, come on, church. And what? Restoring the afflicted to health. One of the things that have stopped our finances in ministry, we have not brought this balance. It's good to be a teacher. 
is also excellent to restore people's health. Tell them God wants to heal them. Restore their marriages. Restore their businesses. The day I saw this, we started doing monthly healing meetings. Why? We have a commandment to preach the gospel. I talked to them about what Christ has done for them on the cross. And out of faith, I lay hands on them. I'm not going to ask a prophet to come and do my assignment. Are you following what I'm saying? Out of faith. Why? Because in the message is restoration. Je uh, uh, <laughs> I want to say Jesus. <laughs> my dad used to say something, which is very important. He says, why Jesus was teaching. Luke chapter 5, right? Why Jesus was teaching. What was happening? What was happening? The power of God was present to heal. So you cannot have a teaching ministry without the power of God being released. As you are teaching, trust God. Lord, as I teach your people today, let the power of God get into their lives. Let there be answers to their questions. Let there be healings taking place. You see, what I'm saying is that you don't need to say healing meeting. You don't even need to preach about healing. You can be teaching on the cross. And as healing is taking place in their lives, you know what is going to happen? That is going to help them stir in them a desire to minister. Some people, you will not even know what has taken place in their life. A uh, 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 dear man came, came to, to us in our, in our ministry, just joined us. And one time, he just after service, he just said, Pastor, I'm going through a lot. You know, he wanted to say a lot of things. I'm like, church was closed. I was tired. I didn't, well, I said, oh, don't worry. We'll pray for you. Whatever you are going through, just summarize it to God. You will sort it. So I just called two, three of the brethren in church. We just prayed. And in the name of Jesus, we just prayed. You know the prayer you even pray as a pastor out of obligation? Not like you don't want to pray, but you don't even know what you are praying for. You just, Father, whatever, you know, total maintenance from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Please, just go. And the guy comes back one month after and says, Pastor, you don't know what you've done for me. You know, that's where you want to pose like, yes, tell me, I know what I've done for you. Like, really, really, I'm the man of God. And the guy says, I've had a smoking addiction for 15 years. Tried everything to stop. I've gone to several churches. He says, but for the past one month, I've not smoked. Desire just left. I'm like, yes, tell me more. Was it that day I laid hands on you? You know, is that and you know what the guy says this is going to be my church that's the power of God I didn't even know that the power was a, you don't need to know what your people are going through just trust God to meet their needs don't say ah, what are you going through no no you're not the one to heal them the power was given to you and he says freely was it given to you Freely have you received, freely give. The problem is we are not freely giving the power of God in our ministries. And it's a limitation. Because listen, the people you are ministering to have needs. They want doctrine, but they also have needs. They are sick, they are oppressed. Some are going through challenges in their marriages. Some can't pay their bills. Some don't even have what to eat when they leave church. You've got to trust God that the anointing of God on your life will change them. I mean, it's our joy as a family to, to minister to our dad and support him as he travels. And it's very simple. If he hasn't taught me and blessed me and anointed me to do what I'm doing and the resources are not coming, there's nothing I'll give to him. Your greatest tool in ministry is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Focus on that. Are you following what I'm saying? Develop it. Study the word. Let people want to listen to you. Let people, when they come, let them learn. You know what? Gradually, that grace that is contained in the word will begin to do what? Release them. We can give you an example in scriptures. What happened to David? The Bible says men that were in debt, men that were discontent, they came to him. But later, these people became the mighty men of David that went to draw water from the cave of Adullam. Listen to me. Focus on your people. I shared a testimony of that with you today about someone who 
who, who ask him to go and be filling his tank for, for twice a month. That's a beautiful testimony. But you can't start ministry today and be looking for who will fill your tank. That guy, the guy who gave him that testimony has been with us for close to 20 years. Imagine filling tank 20 years after. But that's what ministry is. If you are not patient, you cannot reap the rewards of ministry. Patience and focus. Those your people, teach them. Teach them. Value them. The grace of God on your life will raise them up. Are you following what I'm saying? So before that time, cut your appetites. Don't watch Pastor Chris holding an iPad of 200,000. I'm going to talk about that, the foolishness of comparison that makes some of us drown our ministry in depths. Huh? You hear Pastor Chris, who pastors millions of people around the world. You now took your last house rent to go and buy iPad. You see, what you have just done is you have just stopped the flow of divine resource because you are a competitive person. God will not fund confusion. Are you following what I'm saying? Take your journey slowly. Take it gradually. You must know the difference between faith and presumption. If not, you will, in, <laughs> you will enter financial pothole and you never recover. Look at this. Restoring the afflicted to health. This is something we must begin to take important in our ministry. Ministering to the people. We teach them doctrine and we do what? We minister to them. Praise the name of the Lord. So what did God give them? Power and the message. Now please, please, I want to pay, pay attention to this. He did not just give them power. He gave them what? A message. Because after you have released power and they are restored, they need to be taught about the kingdom. That is the balance we need to bring. That's the balance we need to bring. People need to be taught. So God gave them a message and he gave them a commission. He sent them. Make sure where you are doing ministry, you are sent. That's the first thing. Make sure you are sent there. Now, two things. God can send you directly or your leader can send you directly. If your leader sends you, it is God sending you there. So for instance, I'm in Bonnie for instance, I cannot clearly tell you God said I should go there. But if you know the things God is doing in our lives there, you will know that God sent us. But he sent us in the person of our pastor. Right? We're about planting a new church in Podakot. And before I decided to make up my mind that let's go for it, I, I mean I called dad up and said, what do you want? Do you want this church to be planted? He said, I think you can go for it. To me, that's God sending me. Because I'm a man under authority. So if you are posted somewhere, you don't need to ask yourself, did God send me here? You have been sent by God there. As far as your pastor has posted you there. If it is wrong sending, it is between him and God. You are obedient. And if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So the first thing is you must be willing to accept your assignment. For branch pastors, you must be willing to accept your assignment. And number two, you are obedient to your assignment then you qualify for the good of the land. I'll never go and plant a church anywhere else where I don't have direct approval from my senior pastor. And then the direct approval, you know there's approval of you want to go, oh yeah, go. And like, I want you to go. Do you understand? You can come and say, you know if you come and say, sir, when I was sleeping around 2 o'clock, the doors were shaking, door was shaking. I said, God, why is the door shaking? God said, I'm shaking you out of your place. <laughs> You know, even I meet him and say, do you think I should go? What do you think he will say? Uh, who is it to say don't go when, when God has shaken the door? You want God to shake him out? You know, so you don't, you don't intimidate, you don't come before your leader. This is important. You don't come before your leader with already pre-planned ideas. Just come and say, sir, I'm available. Where do you want me to serve? Even if you just think in his mind, go to Kwale. He might just be thinking. But you know, the Spirit of God will allow him to send you where you need to be. Some of us, in our mind, we have juicy locations. And so we walk out of God's plan 
into our own plan. That's why we're struggling. We had a minister, a pastor of ours, and he was struggling in a particular location. Struggling, serious, when I mean serious struggle, to even pay transport is an issue. He came to daddy and said, daddy, I'm tired. These are tough. I want to, I feel like relocating. And daddy says, okay, go, move. And send him to, to, to a city that was literally 15 times more, what is 15? Maybe 20 times more expensive than where he was staying. Do you understand? It's like somebody suffering in, 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 in worry. You now say the person should go to Abuja. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's almost like saying that just go and die. In one year, the guy has built his own house in that city. Grace. Some of us are in wrong locations. You have to, you will humble yourself after this message and say, Lord, should I be here in the first place? Now, of course, I'm not talking about trials. I'm not saying from day one you go, then everything will boom. There's a thing of, you know, the trial. But the first thing you want to be sure is did God send you there? Because he will not pay for what he has not ordered. So you must make sure God is sending you there. Okay? Now, go to Luke 22, verse 35. Luke 22, 35. I have a few minutes more, and then... Luke twenty-two thirty-five, and he sent, and he said to them, "When I sent you out with no purse or provision, bag or sandals, did you lack anything?" And they answered, "What? Nothing." Now, most times when we look at this word, "Did you lack anything?" We always think of it in terms of money, but I'm renewing my mind concerning this scripture. He did not ask them, "Did you lack money?" He asked them, "Did you lack what?" anything which includes building which include a car which include a microphone anything is what anything that's the greek word anything is anything you require for the assignment praise the name of the lord now something that happened go to verse 36 i want to show you something look at verse 36 and he said to them but now let him who has a post take it and also provision and let him who has no sword sell his mantle and buy his sword now i want you to observe something here when they were going out the second time jesus changed the requirement so listen 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 very carefully i'll end here but listen very carefully not everybody should be a full-time minister for some people they will have to go into ministry with their purse. For some people, they'll have to carry a sword along. So, I mean, I used to make that mistake before. I used to only read verse 35 and stop to authenticate what I've been teaching. But as I began to study, God says, but read the next verse. The instructions changed. The instructions changed. He says, but now, but now, come on, somebody say, but now. Now, what do we learn from this? Does God want you in full-time ministry? Or does God want you to work and do ministry? So ultimately, divine provisions is based on divine guidance. Do, do, do you get my point? Because I'm going to balance this up when we come to the second session about Paul and the rest. So you realize that it is the instruction God gives to you that now becomes your basis. So for instance, if the Lord says, hey guy, I mean like our pastor here, keep your business and do ministry. You know what you can do? You, the anointing of God will also now come on your business to such a way that your business can increase and still give you time for ministry. I don't know if you understand. Because you now say, Lord, you asked me to take my purse and do this work. So you have to make sure also there's money in the purse. Because if my business is going down, I will not focus on the ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the first thing you need to clear is, does God want you to do ministry full time or to work? Is he asking you to go without your purse or is he asking you to go with your purse? So you, we need to be clear on this. So he says, but now, 
before I sent you without your purse, but now. Sometimes you can start with your purse. Like daddy started. You understand? God will not say, but now drop your purse. You, you get the point. So it is like, what is God asking you? There is no right, there is no wrong. There is no, you must be a full-time minister or you must be working. There is no criteria. It is when you hear your but now. Your but now will depend on, are you dropping or you're picking a purse? For people like me, we don't even have, from day one, God said, no purse. <laughs> okay? And we are fine with it. Do you understand? For some people, God will allow them to work, and then God will now tell them, it's time. Like that, that was working for a point, and God says, it's time, drop your purse, come on this journey. You cannot make that man feel like it is because of money he entered ministry. No. Or you now see somebody carrying purse, and you say, ah, you are not serious. Give your all to God. No. We can't tell you to give your all to God. God himself is the one who gives that instruction. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't feel guilty that you're working and doing ministry. There's no guilt about it. Do you understand? It doesn't mean that you are not called. It doesn't mean you are not serious. It just means that the instruction of God for you is to take your pulse and go on assignment. But where will your faith come in now? Your faith is to say, Lord, make sure the pulse is full as I do your work. And if you don't have any pulse, you tell God, God, make sure any house I enter, they give me something to eat. Because you said I should drop my purse. In, in any way, we've got to still trust God. In any way, whether you're doing business and doing ministry, or you're doing ministry alone without business, you still have to put your faith on the line. So we, we just want to, I want to wrap up here because my time is up. Then we'll come back to the second section and build on that. But very importantly, your focus on ministry should be impact and restoration. Praise God. Let people's life be restored. Every minister here, please look up. Spend time in prayers that God will use you to literally change people's life. That through you, the jobless will find jobs. That through you, the sick will be healed. That through you, families will be restored. We cannot listen carefully. We cannot remove the needs of people in ministry. We are not driven by them, but we cannot remove them. Have meetings. I'm beginning to have those meetings. Now, have meetings where you say, today we are praying for your needs. What do you need? We are not praying the Pauline prayers. We are not praying prayers for spiritual growth. We are addressing your needs. Do you need to pay your house rent? Come together. Let's believe God that the money will come. Do you need the fruit of the womb? I was in Kenya a couple of uh, months ago and a lady came who shared a testimony with us. They've been trusting God for the fruit of the womb and all that. We spent time to pray for her. Even Pastor Azuka was aware. We prayed with her. Pastor Azuka prayed with her. She brought her baby to the meeting. Do you think there's any meeting I want to go and do in Kenya that she won't come? Do you understand what I'm saying? This, listen, and I want to say this, and I say with all humility, these things you watch on television and get impressed that makes it look like God has not anointed you if you would focus on your assignment it's the same Holy Spirit it's the same God God is not partial if you will lay hands on the sick you will see them recover healings have taken place in my own life that when they were sharing the testimony I was shocked because as of when I prayed for them even me, I didn't know God was going to walk that fast do you understand? Like somebody comes and you just lay hands in the name of Jesus and somebody comes and shares very dramatic testimonies that you are surprised. Now, who really prayed for you? Is it me? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. As you're teaching the word, always pray for your services. Let the power of God be, be present to heal. And you know what will happen? These people will begin to share the testimonies with their friends. Not everybody will share testimony upstairs. And the work will begin to grow. And the resource will begin to come. The same God is rich towards all of us. We have admired anointed men and big men for so long. It's time to focus on our own calling. I tell people this. If God did not need you, he will not call you. Thank God for the mighty men and the God's general he's using. But God also called you. 
Paul says, I magnify my office. Praise the name of the Lord. We can't treat our ministry, we can't despise our ministry and expect resources to flow. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for a new wave of the anointing of God's Spirit, a new sense of the call in our hearts. In the mighty name of God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.